0: A very warm welcome to a morning worship in the parish of Caslwchur and Gorsainen. It's great to have you with us. We're filming today in St Catherine's Church in Gorsainen, and I hope that through worshipping with us, you'll be brought a little bit closer to Jesus. Let me pray as we begin our worship today. Go before us, O Lord, in all our doings, that everything we do begun, continued and ended in you might seek to glorify your holy name. We pray this through Jesus our Lord. Amen.
1: Reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verses 14 to 29. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. Some were saying, John the Baptizer has been raised from the dead, and for this reason these powers are at work in him. But others said, It is Elijah. Another said, it is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For Herod himself had sent men who had arrested John, bound him, and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because Herod had married her. For John had been telling Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to kill him. But she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man. And he protected him. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he liked to listen to him. But an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for all his courtiers and officers and for the leaders of Galilee. When his daughter Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, ask me for whatever you wish and I will give it. And he solemnly swore to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give to you, even half of my kingdom. So she went out and said to her mother, What should I ask for? She replied, The head of John the Baptizer. Immediately she rushed back to the king and requested, I want you to give me at once the head of John the baptist on a platter. The king was deeply grieved, yet out of regard for his old and for the guests, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately the king sent a soldier of the guard with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison, brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. Then the girl gave it to her mother When his disciples heard about it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be now and always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our great Redeemer. Amen. Well, let me begin where we left off last week. You'll remember that Jesus had been preaching and his ministry had been gathering a momentum. People were being healed, he was opening the eyes of the blind and stopping the ears of the deaf and enabling the lame to leap like the deer in the field. All of this was causing a great intrigue around the person of Jesus. People were watching, intrigued about who he might be, and people had begun to ask, might this be the long-awaited, long-expected Messiah that we had been waiting for? the one that the Old Testament scriptures had promised. Now you remember last week that Jesus went to Nazareth, to his hometown, and there he was initially greeted with considerable enthusiasm. Who is this that speaks with such power and authority? His words and his deeds are incredible. And then suddenly people began to diminish that authority. Is it not Jesus, the carpenter's son, Mary and Joseph's boy, and do not his siblings live here among us? And suddenly people took offence at him, and not even Jesus was able to do incredible works of power there. His work was brought to a grinding halt. And I reminded us last week that Jesus is looking for people who are faithful, People ready to make themselves available. People who were humble enough to sit at his feet and to be taught about his ways. Are we faithful? Are we available? Are we teachable? Do we have the courage to see what Jesus is doing and then to join in with us? Or to join in with him rather? Well, it's clear that in Nazareth, they didn't have that. They didn't want to join in with what Jesus was doing. And so he left that place and went to the surrounding villages and sent out his disciples two by two, giving them the authority to preach a gospel of repentance and to do great things. That brings us to today's gospel which opens again with this intrigue around the person Jesus. Who is he? Is it Moses? Is it Elijah? Is it a prophet? People are questioning the identity of Jesus. And I think the first point to take from this is a heartening one. To some extent, the mission of the disciples had been a success. The word of Jesus and his ministry had even reached Herod the king. So it was a successful one. People had begun to hear about Jesus. They'd begun to ponder the identity of Jesus. They'd begun to ask again, who is he and where might he have come from? Is this the long-awaited and long-expected Messiah of God. There was an intrigue around the identity of Jesus. Was he Moses? Was he Elijah? Was he the prophet? Some, it seems, were saying that he was John the Baptist, risen from the dead. When all of these options were presented to Herod, he jumps to the conclusion that it must be John the Baptist, who some time ago he'd had beheaded. Now, there seems to be very little logic around this, because the ministries of John the Baptist and Jesus had overlapped. And yet, there seems to be a link between them. The ministry that Jesus and his disciples was proclaiming seems to be similar to the ministry that John had proclaimed in the wilderness. It was a ministry that called the people of God to repentance. A ministry that called the people of God to their knees before God. A ministry that required personal change and personal transformation. It was the ministry of Jesus as he beckoned us back into a relationship with God his Father. But it resonated too with a message of John sometime previously. Herod clearly has a guilty conscience. He had been having an affair with Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and John the Baptist had challenged him about this. He'd said that it was not a moral or an upright behaviour and Herod should seek to address it and to change his behaviour. With a guilty conscience, Herod is quick to jump to conclusions, and that's often the case with people when they're carrying a burden or have a guilty conscience in some way. Every knock at the door is that knock that they've been waiting for. Every knock at the door is the knock that takes them to that unbelievable, unthinkable, almost unrealistic conclusion. There was no doubt in Herod's mind that Jesus was in fact the Baptist, the one that he beheaded some time previously. And so there's a question here for us. Are we carrying things on our conscience that needs to be dealt with? Things that perhaps needs to be resolved because they're weighing us down? Are there things in our lives that we need to repent of? The things perhaps that we need to lay down at the cross? The thing about Jesus is that although he calls us to repentance, calls us to lay those things at the foot of the cross, he never judges us. Might it be that today he's saying to you, come to me, you who are heavy laden. Come to me, you whose conscience is burdened, and I will give you rest because in me you find forgiveness, you find peace with God, a clean slate, a new opportunity to do things differently. A guilty conscience was clearly weighing down Herod, and so he jumped to the most ridiculous of conclusions. Well, John the Baptist, on the other hand, was the polar opposite of Herod. He was a man of integrity. He was upright and moral. And his ministry was a ministry that speaks truth to power. Not always an easy thing to do. The world sometimes fools us into believing that if we live a good, moral, and upright life, if we're good and do the right thing, then we can expect a troubled free life. That was not the case for John the Baptist. He was a good, moral and upright man. His ministry was a ministry given to him by God. He was full of the Holy Spirit, anointed from before his birth. He was recognised, even by Jesus, as being the most upright of men that had ever come from a woman's growth. And yet... Despite the fact that he only did the right thing, he paid a bitter price because his life and his ministry was cut suddenly very short. And that's a reminder for those of us who seek to follow Jesus in the world that the path of discipleship is the narrow path. When things are going easy for us, when everyone is speaking well of us and no one seems to be against us, we might perhaps want to ask, are we truly standing out for Jesus? Are we truly living the life of a disciple? Because as Jesus experienced in Nazareth in his own town, when we walk the narrow path, when we truly live as disciples and seek to stand out, to put our heads above the parapet, we can and will face opposition. There's no doubt about it. That was John's experience. It's been the experience of every Christian down through the ages. And it'll surely be our experience too if we seek to be salt and light in the world. Jesus never promised an easy ride for his disciples, but he did promise that he would be with them. He would be with them until the end of the age. And so perhaps today you're a Christian who's paying the price for that radical life of integrity that you're called to live. Perhaps you've been passed over for a promotion, Perhaps your income is less than it might have been. Perhaps your nearest and dearest laugh at you and call you the God Squad. Perhaps you feel uncomfortable in social environments when you don't join in with a gossip, when you don't use bad language, when you are entirely different to others and you stand out. Perhaps you may even be listening to this and you may be living in a part of the world where you're persecuted because of your faith in Jesus. Take heart that you won't be the first and you certainly won't be the last disciple to be persecuted because of your faith. But Jesus promises to be with you. The third thing that we can take from today's reading is that whenever we live radical lives of discipleship, people will listen and they'll watch with intrigue. Herod, the king, clearly liked to listen to John the Baptist. He was interested in what he said and what he did. And it's clear in some way that Herod believed John the Baptist to be sent from God. He listened to him. Herodias, on the other hand, had a very different view of John the Baptist. She was troubled by his powerful preaching of repentance. She was threatened that in some way he might influence Herod to let her go. She'd have to relinquish her place of power and influence. And so she was worried about him and sought every opportunity to kill him. When we live as salt and light for Jesus, when we seek to be his disciples, speaking with confidence, truth to power, and living a countercultural life, we can expect different responses. We can expect the response of Herod, who listens with intrigue and interest, and the response of Herodias, who is threatened. By our words, by our lifestyle, by our radical commitment to Jesus. Whenever the ground is watered, both the flowers and the weeds are nurtured and they grow together. So as we today hear the words of the Gospel spoken, as we're mindful of the costly discipleship that John the Baptist chaired, We need to ask ourselves a question, am I ready to listen with intrigue, am I faithful, am I making myself available to listen to this teaching, and am I teachable, humbly ready to sit at the feet of Jesus, or am I like Herodias? threatened by these words, intimidated that they might in some way diminish my power and influence, might in some way threaten my way of life. The choice is ours. And as one bright spark once said, God seeks a relationship with every one of us, but he's too much of a gentleman to impose it on us. We have to choose. Are we for God or not? Are we, like Herod, ready to listen with intrigue? Or like Herodias, intimidated and threatened? And do we seek to plot against those who proclaim the good news about Jesus and his kingdom? Well, it's clear that Herod was intrigued by John, and despite the opposition of Herodias, he sought to protect the prophet. But then, on Herod's birthday, he throws a party for all the hoi polloi of the area. Everyone who was anyone was at the party, the drinks were flowing, the social occasion was certainly one to remember. Herodias' daughter entertains Herod and the crowds, and he foolishly promises the girl, I will give you anything that you ask, up to half my kingdom. And something occurs here. It brings both desire and opportunity together. Herodias' daughter asks her mother, what shall I ask of the king? And seeking to plot against John the Baptist, she says, ask for the head of the Baptist on a platter. Herod was a foolish king, too quick to make promises. And so, without wanting to lose face in front of the dignitaries of his time, he grants the girl her wish commands his soldiers, bring me the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And here is another lesson then from the Gospel. Herodias' sinful desire to put an end to the ministry of John the Baptist was combined in the party with an opportunity. And perhaps we faced times and seasons in our lives where both sinful desire and opportunity have collided. The Gospel today shows us that when those opportunities arise, we should run for the hills and be extremely weary of them. Herod, although he is king, is a foolish leader. And he lets that collision of sinful desire and opportunity get the better of him. In that sense, he stands as a complete opposite to John the Baptist, whose life of integrity and upright morality and honesty is at complete odds with that of the king. It was not an easy decision to make not an easy choice to walk the narrow path of discipleship. It brought his life to a bitter end. But it was that costly choice that assured John the Baptist of a destiny that was far greater and far better than anything he knew on earth. And so uh, John the Baptist's life His ministry is a reminder that following Jesus and being his hands and feet in the world is never easy. But it is the path that brings true reward, true peace, true fulfilment and joy. And the question for us today is whether or not we are prepared to walk that narrow path, following in the footsteps of Jesus, seeking to be his hands and feet in the world, seeking to make him known as we use our time, our energy and our resources as our decisions and our lifestyle mirror that of his. When we do that, as other people look on and catch a glimpse of us, they see something of Jesus and they're brought much, much closer to him. That's my prayer for each of us as we live out our lives following Jesus, we might beckon others with us into a relationship with him. Amen.
1: Let us come now before our Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we humbly thank you for the gift of your anointed Son, our Saviour Jesus. We thank you for his life of complete obedience to your will, obedient even to the point of a sacrificial death. We thank you for the gift of his own lifeblood, that turns away the wrath that our failings have earned for us and for the grace, the undeserved forgiveness and the acceptance into your holy household that it has purchased for us. To enable us to fulfil our role, to live as salt and light in this darkening and unsavoury world, we would ask for the inner strength and ability to live a life worthy of the calling you've given to us for we can't do it in our own strength. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray also for those who have responsibility to watch over us, for Andrew and Adrian and Glyn and Elizabeth and their families and for all those who work alongside them. We ask that you grant them strength guidance and wisdom as they seek to undertake their various roles within our parish. Strengthen and challenge us to follow their good example, endeavouring always to support them and our fellow brethren in a spirit and bond of family and peace. We also pray for uh, Andrew, the Bishop of Bangor, and for all those Of the Electoral College responsible for the appointment of a new Archbishop for Wales and likewise for the new Bishop of our own diocese of Swansea and Brecon please grant to them your guidance in their choice of a successor to John our former Bishop and Archbishop Lord in your mercy hear our prayer we pray also for Elizabeth our Queen asking that you will continue to comfort her following the loss of her husband, Prince Philip. We also pray for all those appointed to exercise authority under her, asking that you grant them wisdom and inner strength of character, so that they can steer our four nations through the challenges of the COVID pandemic and of the phased release of the current lockdown. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for peace among the nations, looking to you to strengthen the humble and yet discipline the proud, arrogant and self-seeking. May we have freedom to undertake the proclamation of your gospel, as you have commanded us that we may make disciples of all nations. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for all who work tirelessly to help others, whether medically or socially, for those in the emergency services, for health and care workers, doctors and pharmacists, for teachers, for those giving their time freely to assist with the food banks and otherwise supporting the homeless, poor and needy. We pray for those working in nations not so fortunate than ourselves who are short of the resources to fight the challenge of the COVID virus. Comfort the downtrodden and the oppressed in our land. Please grant us the strength and ability to support and to stand up for them as your word so clearly commands us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Finally, We remember before you the sick, the infirm, the lonely and those who grieve over the loss of loved ones. We pray for them, requesting that you be for them their healer, their comforter and provider, that they might know fully what it means to be living in the shadow of your wings and to have your everlasting arms supporting them in all aspects of their present need. Hear us, Father, for we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus, to the end that your kingdom may be established and that all the glory and praise will be yours now and forever. Amen.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. Diolch It's been great to have you with us. Remember that we're here for you throughout the week and if there's absolutely anything we can do, then please do get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. Now, as another week begins, let me pray for God's blessing over us. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty The Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be upon us and remain with us always. Amen. Have a great week.